the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Now, there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen, yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, you, Lord Lord Christ. In the name of the one who invites us to be born of water and the Spirit. Amen. We move today to the Gospel of John. We've been in Matthew. uh, And here we are in John. And John is a very different Gospel than the others. For many reasons. And one of the things that stands out to me as very different about John is that there's always this cosmic earthbound struggle happening. Uh, Often Jesus is trying to bring people to a new place of understanding and they're very earthbound. They're very uh, stuck in their literal interpretations of things while Jesus is trying to pull at them and bring them to another spiritual understanding. And it happens very clearly here with Nicodemus. Uh, who is approaching Jesus to learn more about Jesus. And Jesus tells him that we must be born from above. And Nicodemus asks if he is to somehow enter a womb again and get born again. Um, And Jesus is trying to explain to him that there is something much bigger on a spiritual level happening, a much bigger invitation than actual earthly birth. And so I've read this story every day for the last couple of weeks, and I've been so wrapped up in this spiritual, cosmic, earthbound struggle 
that I've been unable to put words on paper. And so I told Tony last night that I still don't have a sermon written. And he said, trust the force, Becky, trust the force. (laughs) Which he said is a paraphrase (laughs) of something from Star Wars, uh, which we relate to very well in the Episcopal Church, I think. Since summer camp, I've always said, may the force be with you and also with you. Um, And there's something also in that that struck me this morning, the force, life force. Our life force is breath. And one of the words today that is used in this gospel is spirit, which is an interpreter's choice. It's the same word, spirit, breath, wind. And so as we look at this gospel together, you and I, without words on paper, I invite the spirit and the breath and the wind to be with us. Now, when I, when I have looked at this gospel over and over again, the thing that I keep on getting hung up on is this being born from above invitation that Jesus tells Nicodemus that in order to see the kingdom of God, you must be born from above. And I've always sort of made fun of Nicodemus for being stuck in the literal sense of that, but I'm kind of stuck in a literal sense, too, because I just keep on getting stuck on sort of my narrow view of what it means to be born again, which we all have an interesting relationship, I think, with that phrase in the Christian church. Um, I started out, I, I was born in an evangelical community in Houston, Texas. Uh, lots of people living in houses together, and my parents got the elders' permission of the community to get married and, and everyone was speaking in tongues and being slain in the spirit and everyone had their own born again story. And we left that community when I was very young, but it stayed as part of my roots. It stayed as part of our family spirituality. Um, and then when I was now this whole time I was in the Episcopal and then the Catholic church, but I also as a teenager was friends with people who were very much in the evangelical charismatic movement still, and who had born-again stories. And I always felt a little bit cheated out of a a born-again story because I had been raised with such a solid faith system of prayer every day and a sense of Christ in my life and knowing that I could trust Christ, that I could trust Jesus' presence and that I was beloved. For as long as I have known how to breathe, I've known that. And my friends who had born-again stories had stories where they went from not having that to having it in a really big, intense way. And I didn't have that. And so I always had that tension with the sense of being born again. And then I entered my 20s, and I started traveling around the world and experiencing the way that different people related to Christianity in a different kind of way. And I started to associate born again with a kind of Christianity that is exclusive and judgmental and we're right and everyone else is wrong. I made a lot of assumptions and judgments about that kind of Christianity. And, and I, I did not have the same admiration for it for a while because I was living in my own judgments and assumptions. And I didn't want to be associated with that kind of Christianity. And then eventually I went through seminary and started to have a little more expansive view of the the really big variety of ways in which we relate to Jesus Christ. Um, 
And when I think of this gospel again today, the sense of being born from above, I think that there are probably six billion different ways to be born of the Spirit, to be born from above. Six billion different ways to be made new in our lives by doing something new with God. And I wonder what that might be for me right now. And then, thankfully, on Thursday of this week, I had a chance to listen to Brother Curtis Almquist from SSJE. He came to speak to some clergy in Weston, and I was there. And he spoke to us of the restoration of innocence. The restoration of innocence. And he spoke to us of this as a Lenten practice. And this is what he meant by the restoration of innocence. We, are, we have access to the glory of God. And there are so many things in this world that stand between us and the glory of God. Grumpiness, eternal cold weather and snow, a spring that never seems like it will come, being judgmental of all the people around us, road rage. Uh, just the, there's things that attack us from every direction. And he talked about the restoration of innocence being something that can move that stuff out of the way, very much move our own sense of judgmentalness towards other people out of the way in order to see the world and each other as God sees us. And Brother Curtis told this story. He told the story of being at a cocktail party, very proper, lots of adults behaving themselves very well, and a four-year-old boy at a cocktail party. And this four-year-old boy was running here and there, spilling things, tipping things over, making a lot of noise, screaming, pulling on people. And Brother Curtis was trying to have a conversation with the boy's mother, but Brother Curtis was increasingly annoyed and judgmental toward both the boy and the mother. And then the mother stopped Brother Curtis in the conversation and said, hold on a minute. And she kneeled down and she called the boy over and the boy crossed his arms and said no from the other side of the room. He was not budging. And so the mother apparently offered some threats, and the boy did come, and Brother Curtis thought that the boy was about to be disciplined harshly. And instead, the mother took this boy in her arms and cupped his head on her shoulder and stood up, and within five seconds, The boy was fast asleep. And the mother said to Brother Curtis, he missed his nap. And he missed his dinner. And he misses his daddy who's traveling. And I've dragged him here to this cocktail party. And Brother Curtis was full of compassion. His judgment changed to compassion. And he asked how he could help. And the mother handed him the sleeping four-year-old and gathered up her things. And they went out to the car together. And and he carried this precious child and, and was gifted by that and put him in the car. And he he went from compassion to relatedness with the child in his arms. And so he talked to us, Brother Curtis, about moving from our judgment to compassion, which is which is seeing people the way that Jesus sees them, the way that God sees them, and moving from compassion to relatedness. And I was driving here this morning wondering what relatedness could actually mean for us in terms of of new birth, which we're called into in Lent. And I was remembering when my babies were really little, 
And when they didn't know that there was any difference between them and me, between them and the world around them, they didn't separate themselves out as an individual yet. They were completely related with everything around them. And so I find myself thinking that perhaps my Lenten practice is to move out of my judgment into compassion and out of my compassion into that place of new birth where we are connected with everyone around us in a way that's even deeper than just having compassion for them, a way that relies, that depends on each other. And in order to get there, a lot needs to be washed away, and we have opportunities to do that cleansing like 12 dozen times a day, because at least 12 dozen times a day I make a judgment, and at least 12 dozen times a day I am lacking compassion, and at least that many times a day I forget to be related to everybody around me. And um, I was thinking about this relatedness and this cleansing of the things that keep me from it last night, and I was flipping through this book. This is a wonderful book. It's called Prayers for Healing. Um, and I picked it up when I was a chaplain at MGH. And I found a prayer in it last night that I'd like to end with today because it speaks to us of this place that maybe we could go this Lent, of being more related with one another and therefore more related with God. Wash me from all that I think I am, my struggles, my stands, my cherished opinions, my soaring dreams and deadening fears. Leave me only your purity and your peace. Wipe away the masks of judgment I have placed on your children. Show me the face made in your likeness that I may see my own as well. Brush aside all shrines to the future, all altars to the past, and give me your golden presence, a home in you, unmovable and eternal. Still all voices within me. Fill me with the hush of your peace. Now you are my thoughts, my purpose, and my way. All I need and all I am is you.